With so many venues and events restricted to limited fans or no fans, today's episode explores how two leading organizations are engaging fans from their homes. From Engagement, I'm David Millay, and this is Flip the Switch. All right, if this is your first time tuning in to Flip the Switch, welcome to the party. On this show, we sit down with leaders in customer and employee experience to tease out core principles and apply those insights to the world of sports and entertainment and live events. Sometimes we meet with leaders who are innovating within the industry, and sometimes we meet with leaders from outside the industry who have great insights that can be applied to sports and entertainment and live events. If you're a veteran listener of the show, thank you so much for coming back and listening. Podcasts are weird because you record them and and then you just put them out there for the world. And I hope that people are enjoying this podcast. And from the numbers, it seems like people are getting value from what we're putting out. But going forward, I want to make sure that we're continually putting out the content that you want to hear. If you've got ideas for guests on the show or topics you'd like us to explore, message me on Twitter at David Malay or connect with me on LinkedIn. Today's episode is a little different than usual. It wasn't our typical podcast recording setup. Instead, this episode is the edited audio from one of our fireside chats something that our invite-only community has access to. There are going to be parts of the episode that are edited out, whether they were because of numbers or something that our guys just didn't want going public. If you join our community, you can get access to it all. So in these fireside chats, it's not just me and the guests. There are tons of other leaders on the platform, leaders that are a part of our community, and they can chime in on these conversations. They can ask questions. They can add their two cents. So when you hear other voices on this episode, don't be surprised. Before we jump into the conversation, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about the community and how you can be a part of it. From our vantage point, there is a buttload of content being created right now. But what we wanted to do was create more conversation. And there may be some structured idea sharing conversations within your league or conference or group of peers. But how often are you going outside of your circle to share ideas? Whether you work in the NBA, college athletics, the English Premier League, or even music festivals and theaters, there are more shared commonalities between the organizations than differences. And there are ideas that are commonplace in certain circles that are completely foreign in others. And in this post-COVID world, we're all experimenting every day. And so those ideas become even more valuable. So we set out to create this larger community of senior leaders in sports and entertainment and live events who care deeply about serving customers, fans, and employees to share ideas, strategies, and tactics that they're experimenting with. The community is still in beta, meaning we're experimenting with different platforms and services And we're not opening the group up to everyone, but we're starting to expand it from our initial group of senior leaders that we've been meeting with all summer. If you're a manager, a director, or senior leader at a team, club, or athletic department, and you'd like to join, visit engagementpartners.com backslash community to join the wait list. All right, so let's get in today's actual episode. 
Our guests on the community call for this recording were Brad Worthman, the Senior Associate Athletics Director of External Relations for Virginia Tech, and Chris Grassi, the Associate Athletics Director of Marketing at Penn State. Both Virginia Tech and Penn State recently released their plans for engaging fans virtually, and both plans are some of the most expansive in the industry. For links to the full plans, visit this episode's show notes, which you can find at engagementpartners.com backslash virtual fan engagements. There's a ton of little nuggets for you in this episode, but there was one big overarching theme for me. Brad uses a creative metaphor to explain the massive shift that's happening in our industry. And the shift was hit on by Javier Martinez from Manchester City in an earlier podcast episode. This shift is about changing our perspective of customer experience or fan experience from game day or event day to being 365. If a fan comes to a game, that's the mecca experience that we hope many of our fans get to come and experience. But the reality is that most of your fans might never come to a game day, especially in the future. How can we create opportunities to serve those fans 365 days a year in different ways? And by creating new engagements with those fans, how can we turn those interaction points, those engagement points, the relationship into buying opportunities? Not buying opportunities for a ticket, but different ways for those fans or customers to spend their money with us. Both Brad and Chris and their respective teams are leading the way in college athletics space doing just this. So without further ado, let's hear it from them. Chris, Brad, welcome to the show. Uh, Let's get rocking. So both of y'all stadiums normally are a completely packed house. Now you're not, neither stadium is really allowed to have fans other than friends and family. I think we got a thousand, 2,500 those are the numbers that basically are allowed and going to be allowed in the stadium. Um, how are you guys trying to replicate that experience for fans that are at home? You guys have big virtual or digital engagements now. You guys have put out those, those opportunities, if you will. How are you replicating that rocking experience at home? Either one of you guys can chime in. Brad, you go first. You guys are playing already, so you can uh, you can take the lead. There. Um, so I, I think the hard part, and what we probably had to come to grips with, to be totally transparent, is that we can't replicate it. You know, like, I mean, David, you had said something before, earlier before we sort of started as far as, like, being in Lane Stadium for Hokies fans is a mecca experience. Yeah. Right? And so it's not a everyday experience. It's a, like it's a pilgrimage. It's a, you get in the car, you drive four hours, you come in Thursday night, you spend the day in Blacksburg, you on and on and on. Right. I mean, you go through the entire process. Um, and so I think probably what we, what it took some of our team, myself included, um, for a little while to come to terms with was that we cannot replicate it. It can't be done. Um, but that was freeing as well because then we didn't have to. Mm. You know, like you, you can't, you cannot recreate 66,000 people singing Enter Sandman and literally making the earth move, right? Like, like you don't do that at home. Um, but that's, to me, that's the problem we've all been trying to solve anyway, which is why it was kind of exciting. Once our team got over that hump and that mental hurdle, then it was kind of exciting because we said, okay, these are the questions we've always had. How do you make 
the game day experience? Like, how do you make it more than just football or basketball or whatever? Like, how do you actually make some of these things make sense? Um, and how do you compete? Like we've had the conversation, you know, for the last, whatever, 15 years or 10 years, it's been, how do we compete with television? Well, now the conversation is how do you compete with television and COVID? Right. Like, I mean, our concern is and different than, I mean, when, and at some point, you know, at the end of October when the big 10 starts up, but for us right now, we have people who are literally telling us it's long time season ticket holders. They are probably not going to come back in that capacity because watching from home has been easier for them. Mm. You know, and it certainly depends on their, their demographic and their age and whatnot. Um, but I, I do believe that it's, it's kind of forced us to evolve into it. It probably into what we've always kind of felt like we had to get to, but we just didn't do it because there were so many other responsibilities to prep for game day. And, and I would use Blacksburg as an example, like the majority of our fan base does not live here. And, and I, know, like, I love the, I think this is still accurate, but when Penn state has a Saturday game, it's the third biggest city in Pennsylvania. You know, and Chris, that's accurate, right? Is it that, that's see, look, I'm trying, I'm trying, Grassy. Um, but you take that and like, so how are you going to replicate that in your home with your kids and your family or your neighbor or your, you know, whoever you're, whoever is in your pod? Um, and so for us, the mindset was less about how do you replicate Lane and more about how do you touch the emotional side for everybody and how do we sell. You know, I mean, ultimately it comes down to what are we going to convert, right? And whatever that conversion is, if that conversion is a virtual sellout, if it's a, a merchandise purchase, if it's a sign up to win, if it, whatever, whatever you're converting on, um, how do you, how do you tap into the emotion of what it means to be in our case, what it means to be a Hokie and what it means to be in lane stadium, knowing full well that you can't replicate it again. Because even though Chris is going to tell you that Penn State is the best, I'm going to tell you that there's nothing that rocks like Lane, um, which is, to be fair, if I just want to get this one on the front, the whole reason we're in this mess is because Penn State didn't want to come to Virginia Tech in September. So just wanted to make sure that I called that out. Fair enough. I have a couple of questions. Uh, I mean, we'll come back to these. Uh, I'll make note of it. Um, one, I want to talk about, you know, how did you decide what to convert on? You mentioned, is it a, is it a sign up for a marathon? Is it a sign up for, a, or is it a purchase of a, a shirt? I, I do want to talk about how you guys decided what the metrics or scorecards would be since they're not season tickets, but we'll come back to that. Um, Chris, what about you guys? I mean, how are you guys trying to replicate that experience for fans at home? Was it a similar approach to Brad where you're just like, screw it. We can't do that. How are we going to, how are we going to engage fans emotionally differently? Um, you know, I think Dana and Steven could back me up, but we haven't given up on that uh, hope to replicate or at least bring um, some excitement to our to our fans. Um, but we all know that there'll be nothing like being in Beaver Stadium, pulling into the lots at 8 a.m. or whenever they open and tailgating all day and 
singing Sweet Caroline with 107,000 of your uh, closest friends. We know that that's not something that we'll, we'll be able to replicate, but we still uh, push to, to try to deliver, uh, you know, an unrivaled experience for our fans and, um, and give them opportunities to engage in ways that they, they really haven't before. You know, we do have an audience now of a, of a hundred some, something thousand people who are used to not being by their computer on game day. And now we have a chance to, um, to kind of showcase some of the great stuff that we're doing, um, showcase our, our social media channels, our live streams, our, our new Facebook live shows that we've been doing, um, uh, uh, working on some lead generation campaigns, um, doing some interactive stuff, uh, getting our fans to, to share their favorite moments with each other. I, I think we've, we now um, have an opportunity to, to touch a lot more people um, with these campaigns than, than we normally have. Um, you know, I think I, we're not naive to the fact that when we open things back up to 100% capacity, yeah, the whiteout game will probably have 110,000 people there, but some of those other games might not. Um, just just with the the um, the demographics of our fan base and, um, and some of the risks that, that are now in place and how long it might take us to, to get back to where we are. Um, but, but I do think, uh, you know, with the strategy that we've taken building content kind of in and around the game and not actually during the game, we, we provide our fans a, a chance to, to kind of consume some great content, get behind the scenes looks at things that they haven't seen before. Uh, and then when the game comes, we want them to enjoy it the way that they, they want to. We don't want to be blasting them with, with notifications and, and watch this second screen experience and do all this stuff. We've, we've kind of taken the, the approach of let's let them in, enjoy the game um, as it's happening, how they want to. Let's not try to send out a, a, a game over uh, the first and second quarter break because that's when most of the people are going to be heading to the restrooms or grabbing another beverage and uh, or, or catching up with, with their friends. Um, so uh, and I'm really happy with what the team put together. I mean, we, we, we took a lot of notes from what Brad and, and Lauren and, and their team have done. Um, at Virginia Tech really uh, have been on the forefront of all this stuff. So we're at a little bit of an advantage where we could watch them for, for three or four weeks before we had to implement our own. But, um, you know, we're, we're excited for, for what we've, uh, we've announced and, and, uh, and how our fans are going to uh, engage with us. Love it. So I, I posted links to both of what you guys, both of y'all's plans in the chat. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think, something that has been hit on by both of you guys is this, the concept that when we return, let's say it's next year or two years from now, whenever we have some type of normalcy, fans will probably realize, Hey, fans who've always come to the games that now can't, will probably realize, Hey, it's, it's not worth the hassle or the, actually the in-home experience is pretty great. Uh, and, and there will be some natural drop off. And, and I think for all my colleagues, former colleagues at Disney, that was what the company saw. I think we thought, I still, still call it we, right? I think Disney thought when they opened the parks again that this influx of people was going to happen and the demand has not come back quite the way they thought it was. And now you have 28,000 people that get laid off, right? Um, so as we think about creating alternate revenue streams, knowing that who, who knows what ticket revenue is going to be like going forward. Brad, this goes back to what you talked about earlier. Can we convert them to something else? Now we've got a wider audience of people that we might be able to reach that live in another country or states away that might never have come to a game. Now we have an opportunity 
and can place focus on making money with those fans and creating opportunities to serve them. Um, so I guess talk to us a little bit about how you guys thought about alternate um, alternate conversions and, and what those might look like. What was some of the strategy that was went into thinking about how do we create those conversion opportunities? I'll, uh, I'll take a stab at it. Um, and Chris will hopefully have better answers. Um, I'll, I'll preface it by we're all making it up. So that's, and that's the important part, right? Like, um, you know, it, it's funny cause the, I mean, the questions are being posed to Chris and I, but, but really they could be posed to anybody um, yeah. because we are all making this thing up as we go. For sure. And, and there is something, there's some, I think there's something to be said for that though, right? Like it's a little bit of an entrepreneurial process and in an industry that I think is incorrectly sometimes characterized as being cookie cutter and like, Hey, we just, we do what we did last year and we do it. You know, if we did it in March of 19, we do it in March of 20. Um, I think this has really tested our ability. Like March of 20 did not look like March of 19. Right. And so, and, and April of 20 sure as heck did not look like April of 19. I mean, heck, I mean, we're, um, it's October 8th and we're going to play our third football game on Saturday. So September and October did not look like it did last year. And when we, when we work through the process of, of what does a conversion look like? I, the example, and it's a terrible example, but it's the only one I've got. So bear with me. The, the one that I used with, with all of our team, as we were trying to get into this, like we're going to be entrepreneurs in our program. Right. And we're not going to sell tickets anymore. doesn't mean we won't ever, right. Like we, I mean, we want to at some point, but for right now we can't. And the example that I've tried to use is, um, it's kind of like you walk into a grocery store, right. And if Chris and I have a dairy, we sold 2% milk and chocolate milk for our whole time. Right. And 2% milk were our tickets and chocolate milk were uh, our ability to do fundraising. And that's what we sold. And now we're trying to sell fat-free milk and 1% milk and oat milk and almond milk and soy milk. And we still want to sell 2% milk and chocolate milk, right? That's still our bread and butter, but it's not our exclusive product line anymore. And so we've spent a ton of time talking about product stacks and, and what we're going to do with the opportunities we have in front of us. Um, but, but specifically to your question, when it came to conversion, we are like everybody, we're in the middle of how, how do we find engagement opportunities and revenue opportunities? And I think that's important because they don't have to be one and the same, Mm -hmm. you know, like it, like ticket, whenever we talk about how to raise ticket money, the natural reaction, like there's, there's always somebody in the room and we all know it. We say, well, how are we going to raise more ticket money? And somebody's like, just up the price by 10 bucks. Yep. Right. And like, there's no, there's no logic at that point. Like there's no data that says, well, does the market command that? Should we up the price for one game? Like, you know, I mean, we had and use our original schedule. This just in the ticket price for when Penn state came to town was going to be significantly higher than when it was going to be a one double a school. Right. And that's no disrespect. That's just, that's what the market will bear. Um, and so when we, when we started really diving into conversions, a big deal for us and, and any school is your annual fund, right? And the way that your donors engage, and, and we're, we're not even talking yet about the, the partner and the sponsor component yet, but on the direct revenue side, the way that your donors engage, that became a metric for us. And can we go find people who, you know, historically, it's not exclusively, but historically, 
a good portion, and I, I would imagine everybody's in a similar boat, right? A good portion of your annual fund dollars is tied in some aspect to a ticket initiative, right? Whether that's a season ticket, whether that's neutral sites or postseason or what have you, a good portion. It may be 50%, it may be 80%, it may be whatever, but it's probably, I'm willing to bet it's more than half if you have a per seat model or whatnot. And so for us, the conversion became who is not within our footprint, right? And how do we get a New Jersey Hokie fan to contribute? How do we get a California Hokie fan to contribute? Um, and that really became the metric for us was, or, or one of them, I should say, um, was, are we finding people who have been more or less absent from our database and absent from an activation component? And are they now activating? Got it. So it was almost, and I, I think of this somewhat like, uh, you know, a car dealership, right? When I was with Disney mm-hmm. Institute, there was a, there was like a six month weird period where I wasn't doing sports. I was working with car dealerships. And and so like you, you end up learning some different things, like all their salespeople are not motivated by cars sold. It's motivated by number of appointments set because the number of appointments that they set, they know that they're probably going to close 10% of those. Right. So it's more of that leading metric. And so I think that's, that's how I'm thinking about what you guys did is saying, how can we increase the number of people that are joining that database that weren't in the database before that then we can then try to convert them in a different way. Um, It it is. It's all it's, and it's, to be honest, it's probably reshaping. Like there has to be a silver lining to this thing. Otherwise, why the hell are we going through it? And, and the silver lining hopefully is to your, like, how are we feeding the top of the funnel? Right. And how are we finding the entry level metric? Again, there was a time where the metric was, did they convert to a ticket? Mm -hmm. Right. And that was the metric. Um, Now the metric, like what I think what we're all kind of struggling with is that may not even be a metric for some people anymore. And that's okay. Right. Like that, that doesn't mean we have some people and again, and, and we'll get into some of the, the things that we've tried and some have been successful and some have not. Right. Um, but what, you know, I, I'll, I'll pick a one group there. One, one experience with our virtual 5k over 650 people gave us more money to run a virtual 5k with us than they had in the previous five years. It's wild. Like it's a, it's a ridiculous stat, but it's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at that point, you're not selling, you're not selling whole, whole milk or chocolate milk. You're selling ice cream, right? It's a whole right. new, it's a whole new different product using the same right. underlying thing. Chris, you mentioned the the content. I mean, I think if you look at your virtual plans, you know, virtual Valley, uh, I think it's called, if you look at what's in there, there, you guys like tripled down, let's call it on content production. It seems like, uh, from podcast shows to radio things, it really seems like a Penn state fan right now has more, access into the stories and the behind the scenes of, of what you guys do than, than ever before. Um, talk to us a little bit about that, that content strategy that you guys had. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you think that's the case. Um, what, what, what we did well, I think this in this is we, we took a lot of the content that we were already producing and, and put a nice package around it. Um, a lot of this stuff that, that is on our list is stuff that we did last year, but we didn't really promote other than it coming out on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Um, and so we were able to kind of take a look, a broad-based look at everything that we would do uh, leading up to the game week and actually put it down on paper and, um, and package it as the Virtual Valley experience. And to our fans, 
almost all of it is new. Uh, but, but to us, there are some new components to it. There are some things that we learned from our virtual tailgate that we took and we added into this, such as a virtual tailgate of the game, our virtual cookbook, uh, our trivia contest. Um, but, but the majority of the stuff is, is, is opportunities that we already had with our coaches, with our student athletes and, um, and, 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 and repackaging that, getting it out on different, um, different avenues you know, we've always just put the Coach Franklin press conference on Lion Vision, which is our streaming service. Um, you know, we now have ways to get that to Facebook Live and on Twitter and, and Instagram Live for more people to see it. So we, um, we, 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 we sat down as a, as a large group months ago and, uh, and kind of put everything down on paper and, and, and decided how we wanted this to all look and come together and really deliver something to fans that, that, that has that new car new car smell and feel, but is, uh, is, you know, is, is, is a lot of what we have been doing. I think that's a big insight though, especially for everybody, everybody listening is, you know, how can you take what you're already doing and just repackage it and push it out more? Cause I think all of us are guilty of that. I mean, uh, we're the, us at engagement, we're terrible about that, about we're making, we make great content and then it's like, okay, what channels are we actually pushing it out on and how, how clear is that strategy? So I think there are pe- everybody on the call and that's listening, right? I mean, there's, there's definitely ways you could probably repackage with things that you're already doing uh, and get more bang for the buck. Um, Brad, let, let's, let's move into uh talking about sponsorship, right? I look at y'all's, y'all's program and all the different opportunities and it feels like a lot of things you guys have sponsored, right? Whether it be Coca-Cola uh, or some of the other great partners that you guys have. Um, how did you guys think about all those assets were in stadium before and they're probably less valuable because there's less eyeballs on it. How, how did you keep, what, what's the game plan to keep fans engaged with sponsors at home, I guess? Yeah, it's a, um, that's a good question, and I want to make sure I answer it correctly. Um, and uh, Rachel, actually, who's on this call as well, uh, is a, a really important member of our partnership team. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and so, it, it, you know, she gets a lot of credit, uh, as do the members of her team, um, and then Pim as well, who's on this, uh, and our marketing staff. You know, between those two and others in the group, um, we went into it with the idea, quite frankly, and just the, the mindset that we had to help backfill these, these experiences, you know, and, um, it was too easy to say, Hey, we're just going to, we're just going to roll things out without sponsors. And so now, and I think you hear it all the time in college athletics, like, well, we don't want to be NASCAR, but why not? Right. And, and from a sponsorship perspective, a why not? Yeah. And so it's really, really been, Again, some of it has been eye-opening for us that everybody's thinking about it. I mean, our media relations staff are thinking about ways to include sponsors on releases and programs um, in, in ways that they hadn't before. And it's because I think like, we, we were pretty blunt with our staff and said, here is how much money from a sponsorship perspective is hanging in the balance with us not having games. And then when we knew we were going to have games, it was – here's how much money is in the balance with us not having full capacity on and on down the line. Um, and so it helped people to understand that like there wasn't just this mythical partnership money, right. That shows up. It was real life. We had to do the work and what they had bought 
has now changed. And again, it goes back to the terrible milk example. They thought they bought 2% milk and they got home and they opened it and it was chocolate. I'm like, well, this is what I wanted, you know? And, um, but I, I've been, I've been really proud of our team um, because we've been able to salvage about, and, and Rachel can probably correct me on it, um, but we've been able to salvage about 70% of money that would have been spent in venue uh, all for digital assets. And, you know, I mean, Rachel and her team and Pim and their team. And um, it's been, so I, I, I don't know that I answered the question very well, other than to say we made everybody understand that sponsorship was not the responsibility of our sponsorship team. And I, it, it's, that's it, huge. That, that was it. I, I think the other big insight there outside of the strategy perspective of bringing sponsorship out of a silo and making sure that everybody knows that it, it affects everybody. That's insight one. I think insight two that I got from that answer was really around the why not question of we don't want to be NASCAR. Well, why not? Mm-hmm. And, and then you step back and you think about it. You're like, I, I mean, the answers I would give were probably not great as to why not. And, and so I think just that those simple two words really help in this time right now where we're having to be entrepreneurs and not think about, well, this is how we've always done it. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris, any, anything uh, from your perspective on, on sponsorship and how you guys have kind of recreated that uh, opportunity for fans to engage with sponsors or sponsors to engage with fans. Um, and, and I've got, I've got 10,000 other questions we can get to too, if you, you want to go somewhere else, but yeah. So you, you know, if you read our press release, there really, there really weren't a lot of sponsors um, listed on there. Um, Look at this again um, in three weeks and there will be, Um, we have uh, offered up almost all of the content that we're producing for our sponsors and for our sports properties folks to add sponsors to. They're just taking a little bit of time to make sure that it is, it's the right partner for the right situation. And, and, and if, if adding them to that is going to satisfy um, what they feel like they're missing out on, because there's not going to be a hundred thousand people in the stadium. Um, the, the, the way I, the way I look at it too, and, uh, and Dana handles a lot of kind of our sponsorship activation um, with, with our sports properties group um, from the marketing team's perspective. Um, the, the, the more, the more questions that we could give them online, maybe the easier conversation it is down the road to help free up some of the stuff in game to be able to use for the, uh, you know, the fan experience, the atmosphere stuff. Um, if, if we can show them that the real value is that, is that online content, um, then, then maybe, you know, we get an extra timeout that we can just play a fun sing-along song or we get, um, you know, 30 seconds of the, of a timeout that instead of having to run an ad for, for Pepsi, we can, um, we can show a pump up video. So I think in the long run, I think this will really help us, um, opening up a lot of that new content online to be sponsored. Um, it'll help us, it'll help us have a better atmosphere It'll help us win games and it'll make our sponsors uh, happier too. One, one key to uh, just to add to that really quick on the, to Chris's point, like being able to recreate what sponsors buy and what they deem as valuable and just our value proposition to them, right? Like forever, the value proposition was we have an end of quarter break. And it's three minutes and 25 seconds long. And you can pay X hundred thousand dollars to get that. Now we can say, Hey, maybe like, it's not that that goes away. Right. But maybe we can come back and say, Hey, you're going to pay it. And all you're going to get in that moment 
is a logo on the video board. You're not going to own the space, but you're, you're going to own the real estate around what we're doing. But we're also, we also have this other option that is a complete digital engagement. And that will happen now, again. And this is some of this is when we're back to full capacity as well. Like who's to say we couldn't have an end of quarter break on your mobile app if you're at home, right? Like who's to say we couldn't do some of those. So it's, but it is changing the model um, for this, for the sponsorship team as well, as far as what they have access to sell. Yeah. And I think, you know, we'll touch on it here in a little bit, but um, you know, I even look at some of the stuff uh, you and Rachel and the team have done with companies like squad, where you guys are creating completely new things where the value proposition is we're going to get, real leads into you sponsor a, uh, through different fun mobile games or activations, whatnot. Um, all right. Something I want to jump into that I think a lot of schools and teams are doing right now, which is kind of cardboard cutouts. Uh, Chris, you guys just rolled out with yours, uh, not too long ago. Uh, Brad, you guys have had yours in place for a couple of weeks. Um, let's talk about strategy with the cutouts, how you guys decided to go about those, um, what companies did you use to work with? Were they available to everyone? Were they a perk costs, that sort of thing? Uh, tell us a little bit about the strategy behind cardboard cutouts. And if you've got a good company that you use, feel free to shout them out. Chris, why don't you go first? Oh, we just started. Why can't Brad go first? Fine, Brad, Brad, you go first. I've been doing it for a month. <laughs> no way. I, I, I give up my time. Um, so I, I think like everybody, right? I mean, we're all trying to figure it out. Um, the cardboard cutouts, it, I remember laughing because when the European soccer leagues started with cardboard cutouts and I remember talking with our, our partnership GM and I was like, can you imagine if we end up getting to that point? Right? Like, can you imagine if that's where, like, cause that was back in whenever April. Right. And I'm like, God, that's going to be depressing if we get to there. Um, and quite the opposite. To be honest, it's, I mean, yes, we'd rather have people standing and jumping and screaming and all that, but we, we, um, to give you the nuts and bolts, we sell them, um, for 70 bucks. They are for all intents and purposes, 40 of that is profit. Um, and so, and that money is going into our scholarship fund and helping to offset the other losses that we had. Um, so again, right. Some of that is, we're finding a way to mix and match and we're finding a way to, to backfill money that has been lost. Um, but we even sponsored those. So those are brought to you by Carillion clinic, right? So we, we tag a sponsor on every fan cutout in the stadium. So you upload your picture and over your, the, what would be the left side of you, there's a sponsor logo that is automatically added as well. Um, we, we've, uh, we're really fortunate here. We have uh, a, a gentleman on staff named uh, Damien Salas and he is a, web savant and a coding genius. Um, so literally he built a system and that's what we use to upload. And then we worked with a local signage company to print it, um, who is also a partner of ours who we had promised business for. And then some of that business dried up. And so this was another way to help backfill even a local vendor and a local partner of ours. Um, so when all is said and done on cardboard cutouts, it's actually, again, it's bizarre, right? It will never not be weird, but we literally stretch end zone to end zone. We go the entire length of the field on one side of our stands and there's probably six rows or so that are filled. Um, so it's right about a thousand. Uh, I think we're just over a thousand in that space. Um, and of that thousand, don't, 
it's roughly this about 200 of them are again, quote unquote, haven't heard from them in years. That's great. So an entry point to bring people in. That's huge. yeah. Uh, Chris, how about you guys? Yeah, so we actually have used a company um, called fancutouts.com. And I don't know, Purdue might be using that same group. Um, but uh, I think like four or five or six of the Big Ten schools are using them too. Um, the way the, the reason why we went with them um, was because they, they do all the legwork um, and just cut us a check afterwards. There's no money down. Um, so, uh, they build the landing page and everything for all you that stuff. Yeah. Yep. The only thing that we're in charge of is receiving them and putting them up, which Got is it. probably the hardest part, but, um, but we'll, we'll, we'll handle that. Um, and so our, our margins are pretty similar, um, to what Brad Brad's are. Um, and, uh, and, uh, we, we, we've priced them a little higher. Uh, I think we were towards the high end. Um, we have $85 for regular fans. Uh, if they purchase more than one, that goes down to $75. And then it's a $65 rate for students. Um, we've partnered with our THON organization, which is the Dance Marathon Group, um, and, uh, and also two uh, other organizations on campus uh, for, uh, that, that focus on inclusion and equity. Um, and, and, and we're sharing the proceeds with them. So this was, wasn't much of a money-making, um, a money-making, uh, endeavor for us. It was more of a way for our fans to, to have that, that physical presence, if you will, in, inside the stadium. Um, so it's been, um, it, it's been going pretty well, uh, have a good number sold in the first couple of days and, uh, looking for, uh, for a boost here over the next week or so and make sure we get them all in on time and, and get them put up. So love it. One, ahead, one really quick on the cutout again, it's like unexpected consequence of what we're doing. We had a bunch of people and they did not, we didn't see this coming. Um, and maybe we should have, right? Like maybe this is one of those that we should have seen coming. We've had a bunch of people who bought one for a member of their family who has passed away or like, and it's a, I mean, our, and then again, right. You talk about residual of it. Um, like our VT campus newsletter paper, what have you. Um, they wrote, a story in their magazine about this family who had bought them for family members who had passed away. And like, just a, again, a, an, an unexpected at an unexpected addition to the engagement component, right? Because it gave people a chance to say like, Hey, I never thought, and, and this is literally and some of it, like it, it makes some of our staff emotional because we know some of these people, but like there were a bunch of emails and phone calls that were like, Hey, I never thought my dad would get to be back in lane. And now he is so cool. And like, and it's a, it's a really, really powerful moment for that person and their family. And, um, and in a bizarre way, it's a cool thing to be a part of for them. Well, it's, it's, it's one of those things where again, college athletics, I think is different. It's why we love college athletics so much. It's so different even than the pros or anything else in that people just the emotional connection that your tribe has with your brand is so big. And hopefully if, if the biggest silver lining is out of COVID that comes out is we can come up with all different ways to serve our fans and allow them to tap into that emotion and act on it. Uh, I, I think that's for me been one of the biggest things that I've, I've seen. Um, let, let's move into another 
thing that I think has changed a little bit uh, since COVID started in terms of how athletic departments specifically interact. Uh, I think pro teams do a little bit better job of this, but even still, this concept of user-generated content and using that, uh, I think forever it's been very much we work for a university or a pro team. We've got an image to uphold, right? And and it's got to be very controlled and highly produced according to our brand. Um, but both of you guys have big activations now with user-generated content from you know Penn State. Chris, you guys have Raising the Song. Uh, Brad, you guys kind of had this Smithfield sizzle. Um, what do you guys think the future is going forward with user-generated content? And, and talk to us a little bit about th- those initiatives. Um, yeah, so ours, ours was not a, was not an original idea, uh, by any stretch of the imagination. And I, I agree that I think the NFL teams and some of the pro teams have done a really good job with this and that, that, that might just be staffing levels and, um, and resources that they have that, that we haven't, um, gotten to that level yet. But, um, ours is, is just asking our fans to send in videos of themselves, um, cheering on the team. Um, sending videos of themselves singing our alma mater and doing the we are chant and then we're going to use those and piece them together for video board features to support our student athletes in stadium and then also to use on on social media in different situations so um, nothing groundbreaking there with that Um, but but I do hope it opens doors for us to be able to use this stuff um, this stuff more often and Steven's been a big part of our of, of that of that for us. So I don't know, Steven, I know this, uh, I don't know if you have anything else to add to that. I don't mean to call you out, but uh, feel free to chime in Steven, if you want, you can say hello to everybody anyway. Hi everyone. No, you covered it. Um, we, we did get the idea from the NHL. So we modeled it after what they did before they went into the bubble. Huge. Um, Brad, what about you guys in the Smithfield sizzle? Talk to us a little bit about that and, and kind of where you see user generated content fitting into the marketing strategy going forward. Certainly. And, and quite honestly, I may pull the same as Chris and have Rachel talk a little bit about Smithfield sizzle. Um, but the way on a high level, the way I see UGC coming into play, I, I don't think that we can run away from it anymore. You know, like um, it, it has been, Hey, we, everything needs to be perfectly produced and, it, and everything needs to look like the next Avengers trailer. Right. And we like, that's what it's been. Like we're going to play North Carolina on Saturday. And I promise you, we're going to come out with a video tomorrow that is going to look like our guys are going to fight a war because it's what we're all going to do. Right. In some variation, like plus or minus 10%, it's all going to be in that. You're going to have some voiceover that hits and it's either going to be recorded by a legend or a current kid or a coach or whoever. And that's what's going to happen um, on the on the user generated content side. Like the Smithfield sizzle is that's a huge feature for us regularly in game, and we give and it's it's so ridiculous that it's awesome. We let people dance on the video board, and whoever is cheered on the most wins free bacon. That's literally what it what it boils down to. Um, and we have, and there's in particular, like there's one guy who shows up every game in a bacon costume and he's won it. I think like four of the last 12 games we've had. Um, but it's, it's to the point that was made, it's just kind of leaning in to that. Pro- like, I mean, it's, it's not just that. I mean, we put, we put a live zoom room on our video board two weeks ago and I've never been more concerned 
about what was going on a video board than I did at that moment. Cause I'm like, we like, we're going full steam now. Like there's no turning around. If, if we go live and we told them all, right. We're like, all right, everybody, we're counting you down. And it was three, two, one. And we are live on the video board. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, this is, this isn't going to go well. Right. Like this is something is going to end horribly at this point. And it didn't, it went, it went great. Uh, thanks to Lauren. Thank God. Um, but it went really well. But Rachel, what would you add about the Smithfield side? Um, I mean, I think it was something that we went to the sponsor and it, we wanted to find how we were going to supplement that with ha- not having fans in the stands and doing something like that virtually was sort of the, we might as well give it a shot. Um, and we had one of our digital people, actually his twin brother record a crazy funny dance of him dancing. And, you know, we asked people to use a hashtag and to tag their brand. Um, and we're going to be rolling out a couple different editions of that since it was successful, I would say in a sense, but, uh, I think we, you know, we wanted to do better and for the most part, it was only on Instagram uh, in the past. So we're going to roll out some different things where fans can just upload photos. Um, cause I think, to your point, user-generated content is awesome, but it is something that I think we've found it's been tricky to really get people to engage in all of the different pieces we want. We have, you know, Coke touchdowns, show us your touchdown celebration or match this pose, or, you know, we've tried, you know, we'll record your kid and our broadcaster guy doing the play or whatnot. Um, And it's been hard, I think, to really get people to, 100% buy-in. The one piece I do think we did really well on the user-generated content side is the the home tailgating, the home gating. Um, And we had Coke and Kroger on those and they get, you know, a Coke cooler backpack and a hundred dollars to Kroger. And, um, but yeah, I think that it's something that we are growing a lot and him and everyone on the digital team has been really helpful in evolving that as we go and just analyzing it week to week because it, it's different, you know, than a normal year. Yeah. And I think that's the key, right? Like we've talked about so many times, it's just experimenting, monitoring it week to week and seeing how do we make adjustments on the fly, basically. Um, let's, let's shift gears a little bit. I mean, you mentioned something, Rachel, home gating, right? Both of Brad, you and Chris, both, both Virginia Tech and Penn State have massive tailgating cultures. Um, what role are you playing in the the tailgating experience, uh, if at, if any role at all, uh, how, how are you guys approaching that? You know, we um, when we did our virtual tailgate in the spring, um, we uh, took a, a stance of um, providing content in and around um, our fans hosting their own tailgates. We've always kind of left it up to to our fans to to take the lead on stuff like that. I feel like there's more buy in. Um, when, when it's their tailgate, they're advertising their own group, uh, to their own group. Um, so we've, we held the tailgate, we gave them a reason to do it. Um, but we let our fans kind of do it the way they wanted to. Uh, we're going to kind of take that same, um, same, um, stance as we, as we get into our season, we don't want to, um, you know, we're going to have a pregame show that, that fans can tune in uh, early in the morning. But when, when it gets to tailgating time, uh, we're going to kind of let them do what they do. Um, we'll, we'll provide content in and around that for them to, to consume. Um, but, uh, but, but we want to, 
and, and we want to get them to show us how they're tailgating. Uh, so we've got some contests uh, that, that we have running with our, with our um, run by our uh, development group to showcase their virtual tailgate, whether that be if you're in person and being socially distanced with, with your friends or you're on a zoom call like this and all watching the game together. We, we want them to show us what they're doing. Um, but we want to kind of give it, give that responsibility to them to kind of plan their own, um, their own deal. Now, now for a group of higher level donors, there might be some interactive stuff that we do in a special zoom call with a former student athlete or something like that, something really exclusive, but for the general fan, we're, we're letting them kind of decide how they want to, how they want to take on game day. Um, and like I said, provide content around it. Beautiful. Um, Brad, I'm going to move you to a different question. Actually, you guys are doing home getting, but I, I want to give you guys a chance to talk about the subscription box because for me, it's something that I've talked about for years since I feel like I was one of the original Birchbox members, like way throwback. <laughs> yep. And because I like to groom myself apparently. Um, but that back in the day was awesome. And I'm like, a sports team could do this. But whenever we ran the numbers, I tried creating a few pro formas back in the day and like I couldn't get the margins to work. Mm-hmm. And so how are you guys approaching it? I saw the Carolina Panthers just rolled one out. Um, I think subscription boxes are these really cool things, but there's a certain way to do it, to pull it off. How have you guys done it? Yeah. And I, so I, I can't take any credit for it, quite frankly. Um, like, like our, our team has done such a good job with that. And, um, if I name them, then I'll leave somebody out, but it's been cool because it's been multiple units coming together for it. And, um, and the subscription box specifically, and, and I'll I'll try to give, and I have some numbers that I can give you like specifics on, but I'll also try to give you some high level deal for it. Um, we're only selling three. So we have, for those who aren't aware of it, um, it's four, boxes. So you can sign up and there's the opportunity for four boxes. Um, again, the, why is it four? Well, because we didn't know if we could sell six, right? Like, like the, the, the truth is we weren't sure how many to have. So we went with four. We're charging, if you want all four, you can pay 250 bucks and you can get all four of them. Um, so it's like 6250 per month, basically. Um, giving that opportunity, we had we said that we would sell a hundred of those. We sold out in six hours, um, which was shocking. And again, shocking because there was, we didn't know, right? Like if, if we had sold ten, 10 of them in six hours, we likely would have been like, that is shocking. We're excited about it. We had no idea. Um, and so that went really, that went really well. And then we're, so it's essentially, again, it's 300 total boxes in each shipment. Um, we ended up selling a little over it. We sold about 120 of those um, all season. To, to be honest, we sold them. We sold 120 because we didn't think they would sell that fast. So nobody thought to check it in the night. And so we didn't turn it off until the next morning. Oh. So that, so, which is fine, right? It, it's six of one, half dozen of the other. Um, so now we have 180 remaining boxes to sell on like a single month by month basis. So we launched our October single box today um, and we sold about half of them so far of the 180 and it only launched this morning. That's um, and so it's, so that's um, again, like to your point, David, it's, it's definitely something and we're fulfilling it ourselves, right? Which I, I'm not necessarily a proponent of. Like if we, if, when we do this next year, cause this is now going to be in our, I can't tell you grassy. I, I can't tell you what's in it. Um, 
But what we will, what we will do is we will likely find a partner to fulfill it for us, you know? And the reason that we said we could do 300 is because we literally said we can do that ourselves. And so if that's all we sell, great. Um, when it comes down to it from a numbers perspective, cost is about anywhere between 20 and 25 per box all in. Um, so we're clearing 6250 on the season and 75 on the uh, single box experience. So, you know, you're anywhere from call it a 40, it's somewhere between 35 and $45 profit on each one. Um, so each month for us, it's about 15 grand profit wise. Huge. Um, yeah. And, and that's know? the thing. I think if you're going to do it, it has to be a premium. It has to right. be a premium product. Right. Right. And we, and we've, uh, again, the group that worked on it really, really hard, um, they've broken it out. So each month pertains to whatever is happening that month. Right. So October is a tailgate option. December is going to be holiday themed stuff, right. Moving into the spring and, or into the later winter and in the spring will pertain to those months and the seasons in that space. Um, so it's, again, is it something that I thought I'd be sitting here telling you we sold out of in less than a day? No. Um, but it has shared for, it, it has shown for us that quite honestly, we need to repurpose some people's roles and that needs to be a focus for them moving forward instead of some of the things that they were focused on previously. Because if we look at it, if we're going to make, you know, it's a call it an $85,000 revenue item for us, probably a $60,000 profit item. And that's selling 300 of them. And we sold out of the, of the hundred we had on the season. We, based on the responses that we received, we probably could have sold 300 of those alone. So now we're sitting here and we're saying, okay, well, what if we did this 12 months a year? And what if the limit was a thousand, right? Or what if there was no limit? If it was, if it was just, Hey, you can subscribe and maybe we lower the cost, right? At that point where like, then you start getting into quantity. And so you start the, the economics take over. Um, yeah. but maybe there's a way to do that. I, th- I think the repurposing of roles here is going to be key. I mean, to just to close us and, and, and bring us home, uh, on that note, I mean, what do you guys feel like on your teams going forward, knowing that we're having to be a lot more entrepreneurial as apartment? I think that's been the theme of this conversation. What do you feel like the biggest skill sets going forward are going to be for new valuable members of the team that might've been overlooked before, might've operated in a, in their own little corner that now are going to be the MVP or the most improved player basically on your team. Brad, you already mentioned the one guy that's a coding wizard on your team. I mean, what are some of the skill sets that you feel like are going to be new into college athletics as a result of this time period? Um, that's a great question. I mean, I, I think, I think overall, just with the way that um, budgets and resources are trending, you're going to need people who, who have a lot of different skills and traits and, and, and expertise. Um, because we're going to need, um, we're going to need people who can edit video and, and do some analytical stuff and type out an email and, um, think creatively. And I, I, you know, I, I look for, for real utility players. Um, you know, if, 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 uh, opportunities, uh, 
become available. But Stephen is like, can do all things digital for us and, and put out an email, put together a social campaign, do graphic design, cut videos. I mean, really um, kind of a digital wizard um, uh, oversees our marketing, our digital marketing and our, our partnership with our ad agency. So um, he, uh, you know, he's, he's someone that, that I find a, a ton of value in, um, uh, you know, in, in, in the current situation when we're looking to, to really, you know, expand our, our digital offerings for sure. Love it. Brad, bring us home. For sure. Um, so, you know, I think I'd be remiss, like, um, and I'm biased, obviously. Um, I think I'm fortunate to have the best team in the country. Um, but, and that's not lip service. I, I, I mean it. And so somebody on, on like on this call, like Rachel and Pim, um, both of whom I think from a, from a career standpoint, right? Like I'm just excited to one day work for them and they know this, that I need to get paid a ton and have zero responsibility. Um, but, but, their skill sets, right, are that they they dive into things and they they aren't they aren't held back by their role and their job description. Uh, and, and I'll use Pim as an example, because I was fortunate to work with Pim at Illinois before coming here. And I mean, the job we hired Pim for here was a totally new job to Virginia Tech and in a space that she didn't have a ton of experience in, quite frankly. And she has bought in whole deal. And she runs our, our digital programs. She runs a good portion of, you know, our, our revenue generating opportunities through digital. Um, and, and though, like uh, I use those two as an example, I could use so many on our team, but I'll use those two because they're here. They, they just, they're willing to find, they're, they're willing to ask the why not question, right? And they're willing to say, Hey, your answer isn't good enough. And so we're going to try it anyway. Um, and so that's, that's, I think, a, a big deal. I also think, like for me, and, and I steal this from um, Dan Magala and his group, but revenue is a result, not an objective. And I believe that if we do these things, right, because so much of what we're all going through right now is budget cut to Chris's point, right? Budgets are getting cut. And we've all been there, at least in the collegiate athletic space, where the external budget is always the one that gets slashed, right? Because it's, and this is no disrespect to any sport, but it's, hey, tennis went over budget. So we're taking it from the marketing staff or we're taking it from the ticket office or taking it. I think now what I hope comes out of this is you see a little bit more of um, like the chief revenue type mindset and, and not necessarily that it has to be one person or any one group, but that I think you're going to see this, hey, you've got, You've got revenue and fan and customer acquisition programs or sponsor acquisition programs, and you have sports, right? And they, and so you've got this brand sales revenue team and you've got sport administration. Um, and hopefully they have not divided in terms of like, we're playing for separate teams, but divided in terms of this group manages the money, right? This group manages and this group manages teams. And that's awesome, right? We're good with that. It's kind of, you know, we, we all want to be the NFL in some respects. And it's kind of like you have a team side and a business side for a reason. Um, and hopefully that's what you'll see coming out of this. I, I agree. I mean, to that point, I think my, the one skill set I think is most needed that is starting to come to light is the finance aspect of this, mm -hmm. of saying, hey, we have this new idea and it's going to make us money so that we can fund new student athlete things. Um, so well, let's close this there, guys. Uh, appreciate everybody being on the call. 
Hey guys, before you head out, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. That helps more of your peers find the show as they search for ways to get better in their own roles. But this podcast is just a small part of what we do at Engagement. In our normal day in the office, we're crazy focused on helping athletic departments and sports and entertainment companies generate more revenue by becoming more customer-centric. To see how we might be able to help your organization, visit engagementpartners.com to learn more. Download a free guide, check out our blogs and case studies, or schedule a call with us if you want to see how we can help with your particular objectives. Our goal is to help you create deeper connections with fans and generate more revenue. So when you're with us, hopefully you find a nugget or two that helps your cause.